0: you one of our students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, the Mediterranean diet, To invented it, saw it, researched it. Your teacher is Dr. Evangeline Mansouris, Program Director of Nutrition and Food Sciences at the University of South Australia. Evangeline, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. We've all heard this phrase. It's a subject of a million magazine covers and... Signs in the local uh, GP's waiting room, but it, it, it's it's very historically located, isn't it? There's a particular moment when the Mediterranean diet is 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 uh, well uncovered, I suppose, and then researched.
1: That's right, absolutely. And I guess most people might look at what's being consumed now and think that's what it is, but it isn't. And the time that we're looking at is post World War II, sort of about the 1950s and 1960s and specifically the diet from Crete. So it is quite specific.
0: Now, who who starts looking at it and, and how come?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting. So there was a um, US physiologist called Ansel Keys, and he was doing a sabbatical, which means he was taking study leave from his university to go and look at something he was interested in. And he was in southern Italy. And what he noticed about the diet and the people there was that their intake was very low in meat and very high in vegetables and fruit and pasta and bread. And with that, he noticed they had a very low rate of heart disease. And this is when he first started thinking, is there a link between the diet
0: and heart disease? Now, one of the interesting thing in a world which which sometimes demonises all fat, he noticed that actually there was quite a high fat content, but it wasn't from meat. It was from, it was nearly all from olive oil.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what happened was um, because they had so little meat in their diet, and of course there was no processed foods at that time, most most of the fat did in fact come from olive oil. And um, and this was quite startling to him, and, and it was an observation, and he knew To be able to make sense of it and explore it further, he actually had to do some research studies. So he set up now quite a famous study called the Seven Countries Study, where he looked at groups of men in their 40s and 50s um, and looked at what they ate for a period... Of time, and they're still being looked at at the moment, and you know generations after, because many of them wouldn't have survived. Um, and what they had were they had countries like the U.S., Japan, Finland, Italy, Japan, Netherlands and Yugoslavia, as well as Crete. And when they analyzed the data to look at heart disease and diet, what they actually found was the area that had the lowest rate of heart disease was actually from Crete. And despite the fact that they had the worst medical care services at the time, a really poor economy, very low education levels, which we know are all linked to good health. But the other amazing thing was they actually had the highest rate of smoking. So despite all of that, they had the lowest rate of heart disease and also the lowest rate of cancer. And that that diet from Crete is now what we refer to as the Mediterranean diet when we're doing research into the area.
0: Now, despite all those really great outcomes, one of the surprises for him at the time, not a surprise now, I guess, but for him at the time was that Crete, of all those seven countries, had all the great health outcomes, but the the level of fat in the diet was about 40%, and that was much higher than the other countries.
1: Absolutely. Um, It was a lot higher, and no, well, the only... Well, it was a country that also had similar rates of low levels of heart disease, but they had really low levels of fat, and that was Japan. So that wasn't a surprise. But seeing what they saw in Crete was the surprise. But once again... It indicated that it wasn't perhaps the quantity of fat that was consumed that was linked to heart disease, but rather the quality or the type of fat that was being consumed.
0: Okay. This is the moment of discovery. But, of course, after that point, after the seven-country study, there's then a lot of further studies done by other people, and they come back and and they back basically the findings that he made.
1: That's right. So that study that um, Ansel Keys did was an observational study. And whilst it gives us lots of good information and clues about what's happening, we can't actually say it causes that disease or it causes a reduction in the disease. And that's when you need to do experimental studies where once again, you recruit people. But this time, and this was in Leon in the 80s, it's called the Leon Diet Heart Study. They actually asked them to change their diets and adopt a Mediterranean diet. And what and what they'd had was a group of men who'd already had one heart attack. And they chose these men because they've now got an increased risk of getting a second heart attack. So you need to recruit less people and you're more likely to see an effect. And what they actually saw after a period of about two to three years was that there was a reduction in heart disease. And the amazing thing about this study was as part of ethics clearance, when you do a large study that has you know, these big, serious clinical outcomes like death and heart disease, you need to evaluate your results midpoint to make sure you're not disadvantaging a group. So if one treatment's a lot better, you want to give it to everybody. And in line with this, they looked at their data midpoint and saw there was a huge difference in the heart disease rate. And one group was getting the Mediterranean diet and the other group was getting what at the time we thought was the gold standard diet for heart disease, which was a really low fat diet. So they had to stop the trial and give everybody the same treatment. And that was the power of the Mediterranean diet and that Leon diet. What
0: do you think, the, you know, there's a mix of things here. And I wonder what you think is the dominant thing. Is it just the, the relative lack of meat, you know, in, 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 traditional, in traditional Crete of the 1950s? It's, it's really once a week you get meat. Is that the crucial thing or the large amount of olive oil or is it the variety of plant foods? What do you think?
1: it's it's everything and that's the thing um i think up to now we've largely looked at specific nutrients or just fat or just a particular food but it's really the whole dietary pattern that's important here so the you know the low intake of meat is really important because that's a low level of trans fat or sorry of saturated fats that are being consumed and in particular they had very little processed meat in that diet then the extra virgin olive oil which is really high in antioxidants and polyphenols which give health benefits the huge intake of plant foods is is again a very dominant thing Um, you know lots of variety lots of wild greens lots of different colors and also having legumes and lentils and beans in it as well so all of that contributes to the really important bit and another bit depending on their location and crete is an island was the meat they did have was mostly fish. And we know that fish contains omega-3 fats in them and provides benefit. So it's really the whole dietary pattern that we're looking at.
0: And maybe not even diet. Uh, Some people, I was talking to Norman Swan about the amazing health of older Greek Australians. He says there's a cohort in Melbourne who are truly amazing and partly it's because they stick to these traditional diets. But he says it's also in other things, you know, the the eating together, the growing of the fresh vegetables, uh, cultural things, religion, you know, it's also part of all the things that make up their life.
1: right it's the lifestyle so the interesting thing is that the word diet comes from the greek for vita, which means the way you choose to live your life so it really is a lifestyle thing Um, you know the harvesting of their food cooking preparation and the fact that their exercise is purposeful and it's outdoors so we know you get increased benefits from outdoor exercise compared to indoor exercise in a gym so that's one thing Um, they're also you know the villagers being together um, eating their meals together what we call the conviviality of meals and it was interesting because Ansel Keys noticed in his sabbatical that meals were eaten together and then there was a lot of song and dance and there was also exercise in that and so all those aspects are really important Um, and I think one of the problems we've got at the moment is a lot of social isolation especially for the elderly so being together is really important
0: A little bit of Greek conviviality (laughs) Eating food together, dancing together.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> and doing it outside. That was a great lesson, Evangelina. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's uh, Evangelina Mansioris from the University of South Australia, the Programme Director of Nutrition and Food Sciences. You can listen again, of course, online at abc.net.au. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to our podcast. Next week, a lesson from Sebastian Fouch, Associate Professor in Urban Studies at Western Sydney University on how trees adapt to a changing environment. That's self-improvement next week.